Dr. Heather Moday joins us now. Hello, Dr. Moday. Welcome to Talk Healthy Today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your book, The Immunotype Breakthrough, Your Personalized Plan to Balance Your Immune System, Optimize Health, and Build Lifelong Resistance is amazing. I like a book where it not only breaks down the science, but it also tells you what you can put into action to change your life. So this is this is just absolutely fantastic. So I just I have to start off by saying that. So Dr. Modi, can you just give us like a little general overview of the immune system? People will get the book and you will get in depth and totally layperson, easy, wonderful to understand. But just give us a little bit now. Sure. Yeah. And I I I think this is really important because I it is such a huge like lumbering system that seems so foreign uh, to most people. But I think it's really important for people to understand why are they doing certain things, right? So, um, so if you if you really and I tried to make this very basic, you know, the immune system is much more complex than what I wrote about. But you can think of it as sort of two systems, right? There's an innate and an adaptive immune system, and the innate immune system is sort of like the first the first phase. Um, and this is made up of uh, a bunch of different cells. Um, sort of the big heavy hitters are these cells that are called phagocytes. They basically eat things. So they eat damaged cells, they can eat cancerous cells, but they also, um, they carry information to the adaptive immune system. So you've got these phagocytes, um, they're sort of patrolling the body, um, the garbage collectors of the immune system, there's which are called natural killer cells, there's neutrophils. So there's all these, these different white blood cells that um, are really important for sort of surveillance, but most of their work is relatively nonspecific. What happens then is they communicate through this whole language of what are called cytokines, this, you know, tremendous, uh, all these uh, chemical messengers with the, sort of these other uh, area of the immune system, which is made up of um, cells that are called lymphocytes. There's some other ones too, but I talk mostly about lymphocytes, which are T cells and B cells. And most people have heard of them if they've been following the news about, you know, COVID. Um, T cells are very important in orchestrating everything. I call them the generals of the immune system. And the B cells are the ones that also work in cahoots with them, but they are the ones that actually create antibodies. So um, they are very specific. They're able to actually take a message from these other cells uh, in the innate immune system and say, hey, what is this specifically? What do we have to do specifically to kill this or to target it? Do we have to make antibodies? Do we have to, you know, go kill it directly? And so, you know, it's really sort of like these these two major systems um, with a whole bunch of crazy messengers that that keep the communication going. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot about if you're talking about health is inflammation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you write chronic inflammation, the heart of the immune system imbalance. If you can jump into this a bit. Yeah. So, you know, inflammation is such a crucial part of how our immune system helps us survive in the world, because that's what it's here to do, right? You know, all these cells, all these receptors, all these these chemical messengers, they are here to surveil, you know, our, our body and make sure that we do not get killed by things that are harmful to us. And you know, for the most part, we're talking about different kinds of microbes, but there are other things too. Obviously, they're protecting us against, you know, um, cancerous cells, etc. But inflammation is what we need to do in order to then kill these microbes. So, you know, I, you know, 
quoted, there's a quote, it's rubor, calor, dolor, which basically is like redness, swelling, and pain in Latin. And, you know, this was, uh, you know, I think a third century uh, physician who first said these words. And if you think about it, everybody has experienced inflammation and we, we experience it every day without even feeling it sometimes. But most people know like, oh, well, if I get a cut or if I get, you know, strep throat or, you know, if I sprain my ankle, I go through this, this, this uh, sort of uh, sequence of events, which is really our immune system getting ramped up so that it can either kill an infection, but then come in and restore and repair the tissue. Um, so that whole like redness and swelling and all that, and even the pain comes from this inflammatory process. So inflammation is crucial. Um, so we can't, we can't have no inflammation <laughs> or else we wouldn't be able to live. But the, the whole idea of chronic inflammation is really at the heart of chronic disease because we should be able to restore like a homeostasis or like a, a balance after we've gone through this, this whole repair process. We should go back to our tissue being normal, the immune cells going back to where they were. Um, but unfortunately, because of certain habits or certain things we're exposed to, this sometimes does not happen. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to know what things make it worse, which you talk about in the book. Uh, some of them when it comes to food, unhealthy oils, trans fat, sugar, too much alcohol, other big instigators of inflammation, excess body fat, tobacco, stress, lack of sleep. You got to get the book. So I'm not going to give it all away. I want to talk about the four immunotypes. I took the quiz. I am misguided and hyperactive, which seems like more than just my immune system. <laughs> <laughs> I know it might be a personality trait. When I was naming them, I wanted to sort of give them a little bit of a personality. Um, but you know, it is it is you know normal, right, to have that overlap, right? Because we're not, you know, nothing in the body is black and white. Right. Um, and when people do take the quiz, they may find that they have you know aspects of two that are sort of the most predominant. Uh, uh, in their, you know, health history or based on their symptoms. So that's, that's not unusual. Right. And so there's misguided, hyperactive, weak, and... Smoldering. Yes, smoldering. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about each one. And you gave some great examples in the book, too. Yeah. And so smoldering is sort of the one I start with because, you know, quite honestly, everybody has a little bit of smoldering because that's the people who are sort of chronically inflamed. And quite honestly, chronic inflammation that's not resolving um, to a certain extent is at the basis of a lot of diseases. So for example, people who have allergies have a little bit of, you know, obviously some inflammation that's chronic. And then also people who have a misguided immunotype, which is mostly people with autoimmune disease, may have some inflammation too. But the smoldering type could also just be people who might have diabetes, heart disease, you know, maybe they're super stressed out. Maybe they get, you know, not a lot of sleep. Uh, they might be uh, obese, which, you know, um, not to be fat shaming, but um, uh, unfortunately, our adipose cells, our fat cells do release a lot of um, inflammatory, what are called cytokines, these messengers. So um, that is, you know, true. People who have maybe chronic um, osteoarthritis, uh, different kinds of skin conditions, diabetes. So anything that's sort of 
chronically inflamed in the body. And so a lot of these people fall into um, the category of what we would describe as metabolic disease, uh, which is a real problem in this country, obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then tell us a little bit about the misguided. Yeah. So misguided immunotypes um, tend to be the people who have autoimmune activity. Um, And, you know, underneath these types, we also, if you really look cellularly, they tend to, their their lymphocytes or, you know, a specific type of lymphocyte called our T helper cells, they tend to have more of a certain type. And uh, that's important because these helper T cells secrete a certain category or certain type of cytokines. And so people tend to get stuck a little bit in this, you know, these immunotypes or these personalities because their immune system constantly is imbalanced in this one direction uh, sort of makes the same type of, of uh, T cells, makes the same types of uh, cytokines, and those cytokines will um, misdirect our immune system against our own cells and cause tissue destruction. So, for example, like the Hashimoto's, you know, really your immune system should know better than to attack the thyroid cells. That's that's like a big no-no in the tenets of immunology. And then we've got the weak. Mm-hmm. So weak is a little interesting because there are many people who have sort of a weak immunotype in that they, uh, because of, let's say, chronic stress, malnutrition or poor nutrition, uh, again, poor sleep, um, and then also maybe because of uh, genetic uh, issues, they can't or don't mount a really robust immune response. So these are the people who tend to get sick a lot, you know, that come down with infections easier than most, maybe have a hard time clearing infections. These are the people who might end up with, um, you know, chronic Lyme, can't clear it that well, or chronic um, Epstein-Barr virus, which is the, you know, the virus that's responsible for mono. Um, but really just people that are constantly getting sick with pneumonia and upper respiratory infections and things like that. So these are the people who really need a big boost in their immune system. You know, one of the things that I was so glad to read about, even though it's really difficult, is looking at adverse childhood events. Oh, yes. And it's something that I just talked about in another interview. And, you know, I know people who had tremendously traumatic childhoods, and they all have illnesses. Mm -hmm. And I know one woman who went to Mayo Clinic for a week, and they couldn't find anything. And and the thing is, people sometimes get confused. I'm not saying they're hypochondriac. I think the disease or the illness is real, but I think it's caused by trauma and Mm -hmm. stress. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah. And so, you know, we and and there are many, you know, many specialists out there that could speak to this more than I could. But, you know, there is a, a mounting uh, amount of evidence and research looking at adverse childhood events or what they call ACEs, um, trauma. And these don't have to be severe. These don't have to be, you know, child abuse or sexual abuse. It could be emotional um you know, more like emotional abuse, or maybe, you know, it could be bullying, or it could be, um, you know, just things like that, um, that imprint upon our immune system, because it puts us into that fight or flight, um, you know, sort of nervous system pattern, as we're developing, right? So that changes how our immune system works, because, cortisol, which is one of our stress hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline, which are also part of that that fight or flight reaction, 
that changes that can imprint on our immune system. It can also change our gut. It can, it can do a lot of things. And, you know, this can even happen later on in life. So um, I think I mentioned there's lots of studies now looking at people who are in the military, people who have PTSD, um, who might have a higher incidence of either developing autoimmune disease or having more frequent flare-ups. There are some programs out there working with patients in terms of sort of um, you know, they call it like neural retraining, vagal nerve retraining. So helping people almost sort of rewire their immune system uh, through nervous system retraining. So it might be deep breathing and different kinds of breathing techniques or meditation or uh, biofeedback. So um, I think that's like an area of, of research that's going to be really important in the future because so many people have been through traumatic events. Yeah, I think so too. And then of course, there's the hyperactive, which I am part of. Yeah. So as an allergist, I, this is what I did for many, many years, um, you know, primarily because uh, my practice, you know, really most of the bulk of our patients were people with allergies. Um, and this runs the gamut. And, you know, many people have very mild allergies. So this is common, but, you know, then there are the people who you know, really, they struggle with food allergies, eczema, asthma, uh, even sometimes chronic sinus issues, um, you know, hives, all of these things that is, and this is an activation of, of sort of a different, I want to say it's a different part of the immune system. But it's, a, again, one of those polarizations of our um, T cells, our helper T cells. And so they tend to secrete a whole different kind of, uh, you know, milieu of cytokines. They stimulate other cells that create this immune response that ends up giving you symptoms of like itching, sneezing, runny nose. And so if you really think about that, you can go in and use different things to try and balance things back into more of the middle. So if you're looking at allergies, for example, so my daughter swears up and down, she's allergic to dust. And when she's around dust, she gets sneezy and stuffy. Well, they did the whole gamut of tests for allergies, right? With the mm -hmm. pinprick and stuff. They did blood work too. Nothing. Everything came back negative. She's like, I don't know how that's possible. I said, well, I have food sensitivities. If you test me for food allergies, nothing comes up. Mm -hmm. But because I've done, and we'll talk shortly about a food elimination, I've done that. I know what my sensitivities are. Right. Yeah. Could you have a sensitivity though to dust and it doesn't show up as an allergy or to, and she, and even when the doctor, the allergist looked in her nose, she said, oh yeah, it looks like there's, it's pink or something right. or allergenic, yeah. but then everything comes back negative. So it's like, well, what is it? So, you know, and that is true. Some people do have it. They often will call it non-allergic rhinitis. And mm, okay. for those people, they are probably having more um, stimulation of a, different kinds of immune cells and they have less of that histamine response. Um, they may not make um, a lot of the typical allergic antibodies that shows up. However, they may be very sensitive to irritation in their airways. You see this with asthmatics too, that some asthmatics have um, problems with irritation from cold air or changes in humidity because those also will stimulate the, you know, the nasal passages, the mucous membranes to release, you know, mucus, to get irritated, to get stuffy. And so, you know, it's a little nuanced and, but I have seen um, people who have what seem to be just nasal allergies, chronic congestion, 
and they have negative tests to, you know, environmental respiratory allergens like dust and pollen. But if they start doing a food elimination, they get Uh, better. So they'll take things like dairy out or they'll take corn out or, you know, things that they eat all the time, wheat. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I am actually better. I'm less congested. And so there is that connection from the gut too. For myself, it's made a big difference. So I know what my triggers are and I do, I will feel stuffy. Once in a while, I'll just have some corn because I like it, you know, (laughs) because it's not, but it's once in a while, you know what I mean? Like, but if you're eating stuff all the time and you're like, why am I always stuffy? Why do I always have sinus headaches? Sometimes you just don't know. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. So I, I love your advice that the first thing you need to do is that 30 day elimination. Yeah, because, you know, food sensitivities, you know, we sort of use the same terminology a lot between food allergy, food sensitivity, and um, it's not the same. Food allergies really, I mean, technically refer to this very specific type of immune reaction that causes, that can potentially be life-threatening, can cause anaphylaxis, right? Um, But there are many people who have different classes of antibodies against foods, Um, usually this stems from uh, leaky gut intestinal permeability. So when they eat the food, they, you know, they may not get itchy or have, you know, their throat closing or anything like that, but they might find that within a few hours they don't feel well, or they get headaches or they find even the next day it can be very delayed that their joints ache a little bit. Um, So you can get this inflammatory response, which doesn't show up like a typical allergy, but, it's enough to make you feel terrible. But if it's something you're eating all the time, you don't always put the pieces together until you absolutely remove things for 30 days. You sort of clear the decks, see what happens. And then you can add things back one by one. And it's amazing. So many people go, oh my God, I never realized it. You know, I added corn back and oh my God, like I I, I instantly got a headache. And uh, I just never put, two and two together. Yeah. yeah, it's so important. I learned a lot of new things from your book. And I learned that I have to tend to my galt, and that is the gut associated lymphoid tissue. Right. Uh, you write that is the home of your immune system. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I mean, we often refer to the gut as being so important when it comes to immunity. And and it is. And if you sort of think about like, well, where are these clusters of immune cells hanging out? Well, you know, most people can point to, you know, they're their tonsils, if they have them, or if they've ever had swollen lymph nodes in their neck, they're like, oh, yeah, that's like a lymph node is where, you know, my immune cells are, they they hang out there, right? Well, they do, they hang out there, but they also go there too. It's almost like a battle station. But we have a bunch, we have a sort of a mass of lymphoid tissue. So if you think about it, just a lot of big mass of, of what looks like a big lymph node and multiple of them. And they're literally just outside the um, intestinal tract. So sort of between, if you think about it, sort of between the middle of our, you know, inside of our gut and then our bloodstream. And they hang out there. So there's, you know, millions and trillions of them. And they're there because they that is where they get a lot of information from the outside world, if you think about it, right? So Um, things come in through, we breathe things in, we swallow things, everything from, you know, food to bugs, you know, microbes, et cetera. And they, you know, we have cells that can sort of surveil, even reach in, sample what's going through. And 
it's like a battle station. It's the, it's like the CIA, right? The, yeah. <laughs> the Pentagon <laughs> of the immune system is the GALT. And, you know, so a lot of decisions are made there as to like, oh, what should we do with this information? You know, what kind of response do we need to make? And, you know, this is simplifying it, but it, this is, it's really, really important. And then, you know, sort of the battle cry goes out. It can recruit a lot of other lymph, um, uh, a lot of other cells. It can go to other lymph nodes. Um, so it's a really important area, I would say. Yeah. And in the GALT res- Resurrection Toolkit, the first thing is what we just talked about, the 30-day uh, elimination mm-hmm. diet. You also talk about the importance of eating more plants, incorporating fermented foods, taking a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you jump into the toxins and you say these are the ultimate immune system distractors. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are a lot of toxins going on. Talk to us a little bit about this and then sure. tell us about the, a little bit about the Filthy Five too. Yeah. So, you know, we... <laughs> A lot of people aren't sort of keyed into what a toxic world we live in. And I, I didn't write this chapter to scare people so they could live in a bubble because, you know, we're born with a lot of toxins inherently in our bloodstream. And, you know, those studies have been around for a long time. However, you know, every year there's new and new things being introduced. There were many chemicals that were sort of, um, passed over or grandfathered in um, as being, you know, safe. But many of the things that we use on a day-to-day basis that many manufacturers use, they've never been tested for, you know, for safety. Um, so it's really the onus of the company to, to do that. And, and if you go to other, other countries like uh, the European Union, they much, have much stricter uh, guidelines uh, for chemical usage. And so really it's sort of up to us to, you know, make sure that we're trying to stay away from toxins as much as possible. And, you know, our immune system sees toxins, whether it's uh, a heavy metal um, or an industrial chemical or a plastic as being foreign. Okay. It identifies it as, you know, being a potential issue. The other thing is that toxins can damage, right? Our own cells. And, our immune system tags human cells, identifies them when they're damaged. And that's how they know like, hey, we need to get rid of this or recycle it. Or for example, like a cancerous cell, they see that as like, oh, this is a cancerous cell. We need to kill it. So the same thing can happen with uh, toxins. And there's a term that's called haptin that, that basically means that when you take a chemical or a, you know, a heavy metal and it damages or changes the appearance or the structure of, of, a, of another uh, molecule, they call it a haptin. Um, and uh, that's something that stimulates the immune system to, to, to go after it. So, so the filthy five I talked about were really the worst immune offenders. I mean, there's, there's many out there, <laughs> but these are things that are used, right. That we're exposed to all the time. And, and quite honestly, it's almost impossible to avoid them completely. But I wanted people to understand that, you know, these are things that, you know, you can read labels, you can, you can do the best you can sort of uh, making sure what you're bringing into your home, what you're using in your body, what you're eating in your diet um, is as free of these as you possibly can. Um, so the filthy five are, um, PFAs, which is, um, these are these, uh, what they call forever chemicals. Um, they're, um, fluorinated chemicals. They're found in a lot of groundwater. 
supply. Uh, in fact, um, you know, probably most of our water supply has PFAs, and we think that most people have PFAs in their blood. Um, and this is something that's you know they're working on tracking more, and you can actually um, you can look to see um, whether your water supply has a lot of them. Um, the endocrine disrupting chemicals. So these would be um, we often call these xenoestrogens. These are things that are found um, uh, in plastics, um, many of them, and they can actually sort of mimic hormones. And so our body uh, responds to them in that way. Um, and that can be associated with obesity and um, hormonal dysfunction. Um, pesticides, uh, obviously, that's that's sort of a no-brainer. Um, uh, heavy metals and um, different kinds of formaldehyde products. And people think like formaldehyde, I don't have formaldehyde in my house. You know, that's what you embalm people with. <laughs> but it's actually like, you know, if you buy furniture that's particle board, or if you have certain kinds of flooring in your house, or, you know, a lot of paints, I mean, these are organic compounds that are put in. So it's like the myriad of chemicals they're used in They're They're all around the house. Um, so really, you know, it's just sort of trying to you know, watch for these and mitigate as much as you can. Right. And you also have great information on supporting your innate detoxification system, curcumin, which we hear a lot about. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of other great things. You have a wonderful detoxifying cool kit. You talk, we just talked about filtering your water and revamping your beauty routine and clean up your cleaning products. And then, I mean, you just have so much in here. Now, of course, we all know how bad sugar is. Uh, Sugar, your immune system's number one enemy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gosh, why does that taste so good (laughs) and be so bad? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is with sugar, I mean, and sugar is probably is bad for us for a lot of different reasons. And, And believe me, I, I don't eschew sugar completely. I'm not completely sugar free. I mean, I do indulge occasionally. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of hidden sugar. And I think that, you know, it's one thing if once in a while, you're like, okay, I'm going to have, you know, a piece of chocolate, or I'm going to have a piece of pie or whatever. But, you know, when you really start reading the labels on food, and you look at the added sugars on like condiments, and, you know, a lot of packaged foods and soups and salad dressings, you're getting so much sugar and you're not really enjoying it. (laughs) You need to save your sugar for something you really enjoy and, and, you know, get off the other stuff. And, um, you know, the, the thing about sugar, when it gets, when it, well, it affects the brain certain ways, but when it gets very high, right. When it gets, um, it starts to throw off our insulin, which is our hormone that helps regulate blood sugar. Um, that, uh, leads to obesity because it's very difficult to maintain weight uh, or keep uh, a healthy weight when your insulin's really high and your blood sugar's high. Um, I mean, there's so many people walking around with diabetes that don't know it, you know, so-called pre-diabetes, which is, you know, they're tapping on the door of diabetes, but, you know, either they haven't gotten checked because they're too young or their doctor hasn't checked because they, you know, they don't have any complaints, et cetera. But, you know, blood sugar being elevated for a long time can damage our cells. That's what it does. It, it has this process called glycation. So it actually sort of globs onto tissues, whether that's red blood cells, of course, arteries. That's, that's the whole reason why diabetics have damage to their eyes and to their 
um, their vessels and they're at higher risk of stroke and heart disease and of course losing their limbs, it's because of this glycation, which is very damaging. Um, so really, I mean, if, if people could do one thing for, for their health, I think, um, besides improve their sleep, I would say is start looking at your sugar content, you know, really be like a detective and, and start reading labels and start trying to remove as much as you can. Cause it, it's going to help in so many ways. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, there is so much great information in the book. You talk about the top 10 polyphenol rich foods. You talk about the superstar vitamins and minerals for your immune system. And then you talk about rebalancing your immunotype. Could you just, and again, people have got to get the book, but just give us a few tips for each type. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, sort of going back to um, this idea that um, each type sort of has like a, a personality, I would say. So, you know, the people who have a smoldering immunotype, their biggest issue really is this super chronic inflammation. And so, you know, that is really where you want to start. And I would say number one, of course, is diet, right? Because a lot of these people have very, you know, high sugar diets, they have low, um, low fiber diets. So, for them, I would say like you really want to target inflammation and there's a couple of different targets that we can go after avoiding excess alcohol. These people do really great on like lower carbohydrate diets and then they do great with some of the herbs and supplements that <clears throat> really uh, pinpoint some of these very inflammatory markers. So curcumin is a number one for people who have a smoldering immunotype. Um, really so important. Um, things like fish oils, um, also really important. And so, you know, there's a lot of other things I have in there too, but I would say that's really great for people who have more of a hyperactive immunotype. So these are people that are, their, uh, their dominant pattern is this uh, specific kind of helper T cells. We really want to try to, um, improve their, um, symptoms decrease this formation of, of histamine and um, and they do well with things like quercetin which comes from apples and onions and things like that the other thing is people who have a um, a lot of um, uh, in this hyperactive immunotype they tend to be very um, sensitive as well to sleep uh, disordered sleep patterns and also toxins so um, you know, they really should focus on that. Um, misguided, um, you know, the sort of the autoimmune type of uh, personality. They're a little, they're probably the most complex, right? Because you're dealing with, you're dealing with inflammation, right? You're dealing with something that might be provoking your immune system to turn, turn away and attack the, your own cells. So they do well um, doing a lot of the things that the smoldering ones do. But at the same time, you really want to build them up. They do great with lots of nutritious uh, polyphenols. Um, really, uh, they do great with elimination diets. Um, and then there's a couple of immune modulators that are really important for them. So things like vitamin D, vitamin A, super, super important. And yeah, and then the last really are the weakened types. So these are the people, like I said, who need a little bit more of a boost. They definitely want to be very, very cognizant of their sleep and their stress. Um, they do great with um, a lot of the fortifying mushrooms. You know, we're learning so much about 
these great sort of immune stimulating properties of, of many fungi, um, which I think is a really exciting, um, it's becoming so much more mainstream, but there's a lot of different mushrooms that can be really helpful for them. Yeah, you know, you mentioned sleep, which is huge. And everyone who listens to the show knows that sleep is basically like my religion. And yeah. Did you want to mention anything about sleep or stress? Sure. I mean, I, yeah, there's so much to talk about, but I think, um, you know, I mentioned, um, I think sleep and stress, I think sleep is a area that it has been getting so much, mm, I would say, attention late, lately. And I think that's super important because we're learning that our sleep, as we think of it as like just a time that we're sort of like dead to the world, right? We're just sort of like sleeping. Yeah. But actually, it's a really active time for our immune system. So if people understand that, that maybe they would pay more attention to sleeping just because you wake up and you're like, you know, okay, I got six hours, I feel okay. You may be really shortchanging your immune system because at night we, you know, we create fevers, we kill a lot of things, we make a lot of antibodies. We make memory uh, memory cells to uh, to microbes, and so it's a super important um, uh, aspect of our immune system. And then stress, I think, is you know something we also talk about a lot too, but I think is very misunderstood um, because you know it's easy for people to say, okay, you know, I'm stressed, but I feel okay because it's very silent, right? You know, you don't really feel bad until things really start to fall apart. And it's not the stress itself. It's not the situation that you're in. It's what chemically happens in the body when you react to that stressor. So it's that underlying chemistry, the stress chemistry. It's that chemistry that starts to do things like weaken your gut microbiome to actually increase cortisol, which over time can decrease the effectiveness of, of antibodies, can decrease the effectiveness of immune cells. Um, so it's sort of insidious. Um, so I'm a, I really try to push people to focus on how they respond to stress in their life. Yeah, and you have such great suggestions. I mean, for all of these things, it's really incredible. Okay, so I hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, around COVID, I'm not going to get COVID because I have a strong immune system. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, I think that most people don't know if they have a strong immune system. Yeah, I, was think, I was thinking that too. Like, how do they know? Um, so that's one, right? right. We, you know, uh, on the surface, sometimes, you know, a lot of us walk through life and we're not sick until we are. No illness, with the exception of an infectious disease, pops up overnight. Uh, people, you know, develop cancer, diabetes, heart disease over decades, um, and it really is, you know, how you live your life. Um, so, and there's not, you know, nobody's going to run a screening tests on you to tell you that your immune system is strong. The other thing is, you know, yes, there is data showing that, you know, making sure that you have adequate vitamin D levels, making sure that you have adequate zinc levels might help in, you know, decreasing severity of disease or improve outcomes but it is not going to necessarily prevent you from getting COVID. Um, I mean, we see there's lots of healthy people who, you know, uh, obviously get the disease. And, you know, so people will say, well, you know, I, you know, I, you know, people recover for, from it. That is true. Many people recover from it. 
Um, however, we're now seeing this long hauler syndrome, as they call it, which is quite honestly, in my mind, the scarier issue because this happens in people who are healthy. This happens in relatively young people. And we, it is still evolving, the science. We don't know exactly what causes it. We know that there is probably an autoimmune component to it. Um, it, fact, it affects so many different systems. I mean, we're talking uh, the brain. Uh, you know, people get depressed. They have brain fog, neurologic issues, uh, worsening cognition. Um, there's cases of people having severe um, developing diabetes. I mean, so this is stuff we don't know, right? I mean, this is a wily virus that's mutating. And then, I mean, that's really, I would say, from a public health perspective, you know, when people say, I don't want to get vaccinated. However, the larger group of people that are getting, you know, infected, they, that virus is mutating, right? That's how viruses mutate. They get inside a host and they mutate. They can't mutate outside of a host. And so we're going to continue having these mutations and mutations. And some of them are no big deal, right? We've had right. multiple, now we're up to Omicron, right? So, um, but, you know, they skipped a few because they weren't really important. You know, Delta was an important one. Um, but you never know. We don't know. Like we, you know, it may come to the point that they have to create another vaccine. So, um, so it, it does play, vaccines play an important role in public health. Um, because even though you may not die, you know, your friend or your loved one may die. So, and, and when you're not vaccinated, you're much more likely, of course, to spread it. So, um, you know, you have to sort of think about it from a global perspective and a public health perspective um, versus like just a me perspective. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think anyone is saying that, you know, the vaccine is preventing, is preventing the disease as we've seen. I mean, you can get, you can get COVID-19 with booster shots. However, most likely you're not going to spread it as quickly. You're going to have a much milder form of the disease. So these are important things to think about. But of course, I'm a huge proponent of doing everything you possibly can to keep yourself safe and to prevent, you know, getting it. But there is absolutely no guarantee. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a tricky, tricky topic, but I feel like we need to talk about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. All right, Dr. Mode, did you have anything else you wanted to add today? This has been such a great conversation. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, um, no, I just think, um, you know, get the book and, you know, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I am most. Um, and, you know, you can message me, make comments, anything that people want to learn about. Um, I love just doing educational things and teaching. And, you know, that's really my, my whole point in writing this book is to, to try to, I don't know, demystify things a little bit and make things a little less scary and give people hope. So, you know. Well, you did that. And what's great, I mean, I have an action plan now. So thank you. I mean, it means <laughs> a lot, right? Because I still struggle with my issues. And this is this is going to help me. I, can, I just know it. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it.